These are uncertain times, but Munson Savings Bank continues to grow and evolve, most recently by opening a new loan and operations center in Wilbraham and a new branch in East Longmeadow scheduled to open later this summer. At Munson Savings Bank, we believe in going above and beyond to create solutions for people, businesses, and our community. Hi, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local, and brought to you by Munson Savings Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here's your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's a recovering entrepreneur and consultant to small businesses and nonprofit organizations. Here is Tom Fox. I'm looking forward to our conversation today on Business Talk with Scott Foster, partner at Bulkley Richardson Law Firm. Always a pleasure. I've seen that you've been busy out there with with COVID nineteen, and uh, following yeah. you on LinkedIn and you know seeing uh, press releases and things like how you've been helping businesses. And I, I wanted to have this conversation because a lot of folks listening in are obviously concerned. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and when it comes to financial recovery, which we all want to see, um, right. it's not really as simple as we'd like it to be. <laughs> No, I think the uh, I, I think there's a lot of factors going on right now, and a lot of different businesses being impacted by COVID in uh, you know in, in ways from the granular of the staff who has kids out of school and how do you manage a, a single mom's schedule with with two kids in grade school and middle school and what's the upcoming school year look like to the to the macro of well, our supply chain is disrupted because they can't get imports coming in from China right now. And what used to take six weeks is now gonna take six months. So what does that mean for our supply chain? What does that mean to you know servicing our customers? And I, so I, I think most business owners, um, I mean, the good ones have been just block and tackling. You know, yeah. there's another question, another issue, you figure out the answer, you get a good enough answer, you go to the next issue. Um, but it's pretty easy to get overwhelmed right now. Uh, with just the scope of questions and issues and uncertainties and unknowns. Um, so in terms of what we've been trying to do here at, at Bulkley is, is offer through these client alerts and things we've been putting out, which I think that's some of what you're referring to, you know, just quick hits of, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff out there. Here's a couple ways of thinking about it. Um, you know, here's an issue you, you might want to think about, sorry to add on to, to the pile, but yeah. you want to be thinking about it now rather than getting blindsided by it in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, and that was kind of our approach we adopted early on in reaching out to our, our clients from the most part, but, you know, friends and, and others in, in the community. Of, here are just ways we're trying to be helpful and help you think about it. And if you've got a real question, happy to help. But we're, you know, we're all in this together. We're all trying to model through. Um, and it's just important to help, you know, help your neighbor and your fellow small business. I mean, I got to imagine, you know, with the new stories about the challenges with you know, the pandemic in and of itself, then reopening within the pandemic, you know, so legal liabilities and things like that, like, wow, if I open up, you know, I've I've got to make new investments in PPP. And and I got to imagine folks didn't imagine this when they're looking at cost of goods sold, cost of goods sold, I got to put in, you know, uh, masks and all this other hand sanitizer. So now it costs me more to do business, but also do I increase my liability by opening up during this? I mean, how much yeah. of a burden do I have to bear? And let's be honest. I mean, small business owners are already struggling in the sense of what's happening with my business. Obviously I want to open, I have a customer base who I love. They've supported me throughout the years, 
but I want to keep them safe, but I want to keep myself safe too. Right. Like, is there a lot of engagement about that? Um, There's a lot of discussion about it, certainly with a lot of businesses. And and the general advice we're giving is, well, first off, everybody's in the same boat. There's nothing unique or special about your business versus your competitors. You're you're all facing the same challenges here. Um, And in terms of when you're thinking about, is there potential liability? Yeah, there's always potential liability. There's potential liability for everything. You know, so, you know, people coming in and saying, well, how, how can I make sure I don't get sued? You can't. There's no, I cannot prevent you from being sued. That's, that's just an impossibility. I can help you become less likely to be sued because you're doing the right things. And the lawyer's going to look at it and say they were doing the right things. If something happened, I'm not, that's, that's not a good litigation target. Um, you know, we can, you can do certain proactive things to be on top of the situation. And the, but the biggest thing in, in times of, of reopening is follow the state guidance, follow the CDC guidance. Don't, you know, don't ignore it. Don't try to be, uh, you know, extra special and figure out how to thread the needle and get around some things. Just, just do it. And if you do it, you're going to be pretty safe. And that's, and that sounds simplistic in some ways, but it's just, you know, it just, these rules are out there for a reason. And, and part of that reason is, and this is circles back is, does it provide you protection? If you're able to say as a business, we complied with the state guidance and the CDC guidance, you know, the, the de facto, you know, the kind of the, the thing you're not saying after that is what more do you want from me? <laughs> no, we did everything we could. We did everything that was, that was available out there within reason. Obviously you can't bubble wrap everybody walking through the door, yeah. but you know, you, you follow the guidelines and you're generally going to be safe because are things going to happen? Yeah. Things happen in every business every day. You know, you could have a great, uh, policy on clearing your sidewalk with snow, but something happens and somebody falls and then it's a slip and fall. Okay. But that doesn't, you know, doesn't mean you don't, you don't keep up with the policy. Yeah. I mean, and I, I would share this with, when I was doing consulting, you know, people say this is guaranteed the work. I said, well, listen, really my work is create the, the, the largest likelihood of success. And I think right. that could be said of, yeah. of everything that anybody does in business. No one tries to do anything, you know, we were always trying to create that largest likelihood of success, mitigate to the largest like, likely degree that we can. Um, you know, and, and I guess I got to say there's a different or there's a, I guess to say an added dynamic when I see on some of the news and the news that we see is, you know, businesses are doing the, the right things, but then customers come in and then they lose their rice krispies because right. they don't want to wear a mask or, or whatever it is. And that's got to be how do I thread the needle if I'm a business owner on that? Like it's, it's, there's these new dynamics where you're trying to do right. these right things. Like you say, listen, follow the CDC guidelines. They're there. Like, does that create an extra air of like, what, what liability could that cause if I now have to interject with a customer and, and things like that? There yeah. are these new dynamics I mean, that people have to think through. You know, you've always had to think through unreasonable customers. Um, yeah. and, and certainly if you're in a retail based business and that's where it's coming up for the most part, um, yeah, you're going to have to deal with it. And I, and I think, you know, the, the, the number of people that are freaking out about masks and making a big deal about it are, uh, you know, are not that high overall. They're disproportionately, you know, exposed on social media and Twitter and, and, and picked up by news organizations. But, you know, the reality is it's not that big of a number. And most people will figure out how to do the right thing or they're stressed out and they're freaking out. And if they're stressed out and they're freaking out, you just say, listen, this is our policy. And it's not for you. It's not about you. It's about me. And, and, listen, and, and if I don't do this, I get sued by everybody else. 
So if you actually care about me as a small business, you'll just do it because you're actually helping me as the small business comply with what I'm supposed to do. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's the age old, don't blame me, blame the man, you know, the, the government. As my, as my favorite wrestler used to say, uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, um, I, you know, we haven't heard a lot of that going on. We've heard from that's clients uh, concern about it, worry about it, um, but I don't think we've had any actual I'm not, I'm not personally aware of any instances. Yeah, we've we got a good community here in Western Mass. I mean, we may be spread out, but, you know, we're pretty, you know, we're pretty all in this together kind of community to begin with. So that's, you know, thankful for that. I think that. that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. So, I mean, so I, I see that, you know, obviously we look at liability in that sense there. You know, have you been helping people with the, the PPP loans and things like that? Have you seen, like... I know there's a, I, I didn't get caught up on the news as of yet this, uh, this morning, but I know there are talks of a new program coming out or whatever it may be that may be more substantial. Yeah. So there, there seems to be remedies available, more remedies in talk. Um, and how are, I mean, are you helping clients with that? Or are you working with financial institutions? Like how does your team come together and say, you know, our clients got questions about this. We want to be available in a service to them. We've, yeah, we've absolutely helped a lot of clients through their PPP loan uh, application process initially. Um, we've had a lot of questions about the forgiveness, you know, and what to do in the forgiveness. And, you know, we stay up on the SBA guidance. The SBA put about a bunch of FAQs. I think it was uh, Tuesday um, of this week. Now, what frankly, all those FAQs may be irrelevant by next Tuesday because Congress is currently discussing changing the rules again. So the, my biggest frustration with the PPP program has been a, uh, it's follow the bouncing ball. Mm-hmm. You know, the rules are this way in March, then they're this way in April, then this new rule comes out in May, then we change everything with new rules in June. Um, you think we're stable, we think we know what we're doing, and then the SBA pulls back on giving out further guidance because they're not, they're hearing from Congress that they're going to have the rules changed. So then there's a quiet period. And now the SBA's hand is, is, you know, being called. So they're like, okay, well, here's, here's our guidance. And then the next day Congress is coming out with, well, and it's good news. I mean, I think overall, let me emphasize, I think it's getting better, but it's the lack of consistency and clarity that's leading to frustration among business owners. The general advice we've been giving, or I've been giving, is sit tight. You know, anything you think you know may or may not be true, and all of the steps we've seen the government taking so far have been relaxing the rules and making it easier. So, for example, when the, when the first PPP came out, it was you had eight weeks to spend the money. Fine. Everybody was freaking out about that, and mathematically, you couldn't spend it in eight weeks. You, it was just mathematically impossible. Um, you could get to the upper 90%, which you just couldn't get over. So, of course, Congress extended out to 24 weeks. So, suddenly, all the work we had done worrying about eight weeks was useless. Yeah. It was just light and sound and fury, but it was pointless at that point. Until we get the final, final situation, which I'm hoping is going to be in the next week or two, then, you know, any discussion about what the forgiveness application is like and what you're going to get for forgiveness versus somebody else, I view as kind of premature. It's good to have a sense of it. It's good to be paying attention to it. But if you're, you know, if you're banking your life on it, I, that's 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 a waste of time right now. We're we're talking with Scott Foster, partner over at Bulkley Richardson Law Firm, about COVID-related issues, PPP, and the and the host and and the and the host of other issues going on. But Scott, you you talked a little bit about Congress. You know, things that they're doing a little bit uh, differently. Yep. You know, one thing I guess is 
to your point, it's good news. Things are happening. But I also say this from running projects. Most of the time when you start a project, um, you think it's going to work one way. And especially yeah. if it's a project that's got a lot of moving parts. And then all of a sudden, when you pull up the hood and you really get into it, you go, wow, okay, so I need to fix this. This doesn't work the way I'd really like it to. And we can improve right. upon that. It sounds at least it's good news that they were proactive to get something out at that time as quick as they did. But when you rush to do yes. anything, there's bound to be some cleanup to be done. So, so it sounds at least they're being open to that. I know they had a, a, a feedback session. And I know I'm an advocate for customer development and listen to our customers. I know you are as well. And it sounded like the feedback the White House and others got was like, listen, we need 24 weeks, not eight weeks. So they right. seem to need more like, time. Yeah. You know, talk to us because these programs really are meant to help sustain your business and bridge you through. I mean, I don't, I don't get the intention that they're just trying to throw money at this. I know they're trying to do it in a wise way, but they also well, have to do quick. it quick. Yeah, I think they tried to do it in, in an expeditious way. I, I think that was yeah. it. And they identified, you know, Congress identified the SBA as the, as the best agency to push these funds out. I think that was right. Um, I think it's a sound policy decision to try to um, keep the economy humming by just putting money in the hands of employers to keep employees on, on the payroll. That's essentially what the PPP program is mm. at its simplest. That's a really efficient way of getting money out to to people and a lot of money out to a lot of individuals. So, so you start off with, that's a good idea. It's a good policy idea. Um, but with any, any good idea, um, there's a lot of ways that can go sideways. There's a lot of ways that can be incorrect and wrong. And I, and I have a, a great deal of sympathy for the SBA and, and all the, the officials there because they, I think the numbers are, they did um, 30 years of loans in six weeks for the uh, SBA. That's insane. And, and, that's, and you know, let's be honest, they, 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 my, my understanding is that they weren't necessarily set up for that. The infrastructure really wasn't no, there to, no, to, to bear that kind of. load. But they had right. to pick up the slack, like a lot of other folks and like business owners too. And you said it yeah. earlier, we're all kind of, we're in this together. We're learning at the same time. There's no definite right now. We, I don't think any of us could really pinpoint a moment in time where COVID is going to quote unquote end. So, no. you know, there's going to be some changes. Um, support. No, you're, you're looking at, you, you, I'm going to say, you're, you're looking at five to 10 years of, of an effect on the economy here. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I've been hearing that. The initial stages of it. You know, the, the fallout on the, on the rental market, um, that, that hasn't even begun yet. You, you haven't dealt at all with people who, yes, they've been able to defer rent, but they're ultimately not going to be able to pay rent. Okay, so what yeah. do landlords do? You know, the land, are they evicting? Are they, and if you're evicting, you know, if you're a commercial landlord and you're evicting tenants, that's great. Who's going to show up? You know, it, it's great to have the open space, but it's better to have a paying tenant. Are you going to be better off eating three months of rent in 2020 to keep that tenant alive and to keep them able to pay you rent in 2021? Or are you going to roll the dice and throw them out and hope somebody else shows up? Well, just, if you're thinking ahead, whoever's showing up is somebody who's thrown out someplace else. Hmm. Um, and so it's kind of, it gets, it gets cyclical there. Um, so are you well, yeah. better off working with people, you know, um, who you trust and who have been good tenants for you know, the past X years and they went through the same thing you went through. No, nobody hears. You know, no, I don't, I'm not seeing business owners take advantage of COVID to get out of responsibilities. 
or to get out of what they agreed to do. You know, there, no, nobody's, nobody that I'm seeing is, is using it as an excuse to um, fire a bunch of employees um, or, you know, get out of a real estate space or get out of a bad deal. They're just trying to make the best of a bad situation. And, 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 you know, to your point, this is years, you know, in, in recovery. And there was a um, podcast I was listening to this morning about the impact on cities because of the commercial real estate situation. Mm-hmm. It's not that, to your point, it's not that we want to get rid of this space. But now if, I'm, if it's proven to me through COVID that 60% of my workforce can be efficient and effective by working remotely, well, wow. I don't know if I need 100,000 square feet anymore. I may need something smaller. Well, um, so opportunities for this region, um, they may need something outside of the big cities. So you oh, could so easily see a, a Boston, you know, and again, we're talking about white collar jobs for the most part. Yeah. You know, manufacturers, you still got to show up and, and be in the manufacturing plant. And, and, you know, in terms of local economy here, I think an overwhelming majority of, employees in this area continued to go to work because their job was physically there between the hospitals uh, and all the manufacturers that are yeah. out there. I mean, there's so, you know, if you look at our local economy here, it's still, it, it, it's pretty, it's still intensive on being at a location. Yeah. So, but with that said, you've got firms in Boston and firms in New York that have a lot of white collar workers, some of whom are here right now. They're working, you know, literally working in their parents' basement. Um, and they're, you know, because they've moved out of their, their tiny apartment in the city and are, and are back here. Um, and what I am seeing, I was reading just the other day, that, that some firms are looking at, okay, we, we, we still need some in-person activity. There's something you miss when you're not sitting across the table from somebody. There's, there's an exchange. There's a, there's a spark of an idea. There's a creativity that's hard to do over a Zoom call. So let's find a way to allow that to happen what we don't need to bring people into downtown New York. We don't need them in Manhattan. They could be assembling in Springfield, Mass, for example. So if you had the 200 remote employees that live within a half hour drive of of Springfield, Mass, well, why not have a remote facility here for a year or two years or three years? So when when you're reading about these large scale trends and large national trends in terms of real estate, I don't disagree with that at all. What, I'm, what I encourage people to do locally is, okay, but how does that affect us here? We aren't like that. You know, we don't have um, a large public transportation problem, I mean, reliance on public transportation. You know, we don't have, uh, a, you know, in terms of my law firm here, we don't have 60 or 70% of our workforce arriving by the subway, as you would have in New York. That's the main reason firms aren't reopening in the big cities is it's not the office. The office is pretty secure. It's the elevator to get into the office. That's a problem. And it's the, it's the physically getting from the home to the office. So we don't have that issue here in Western Mass. You know, we're, I guess we're I pretty see, spread out. I see, I guess to someone like, you know, I'll go downtown Springfield. I see it, it's noticeable, I guess, in a place like that. I'll see sometimes like downtown Springfield that has, you know, office buildings and things like that. Less of a foot traffic. You know, things right. like that. So that's a, it's a little more noticeable in a place like that versus, let's say, a greenfield. Yeah. Yeah, it has a very yeah. different economy. But to your very point, different field too. Yeah. our economy is that much different than what Boston is. We don't have people taking the tea in all day long and flying right. in and, and so on like that. So, no, yeah, on the best day, walking down Main Street in Springfield, 
you know, in terms of number of people I would see if it wasn't a, a, a Falcons game letting out or an event like that, it's on par with walking around a similar street in Boston at 11 p.m. as opposed to in the rush hour time. You know, yeah. so we, we never had that type of concentration here. Um, so, and the, and some people aren't working. Our building is, is probably under half full. There are a lot of firms still within our, our building that are different businesses that are choosing to, to have their employees continue to work remote or partially remote. So certainly we're, we're, now, we're nowhere near the concentration we were before. Yeah. But I think even the concentration where we were before wasn't particularly concentrated. Yeah, we were. And a lot of good things were happening. I, I guess there's a lot of, you know, one things, I, I guess some things I was thankful to see is um, how cities, like Springfield, for instance, said, well, listen, what can we amend in our permitting to let, you know, outdoor response dining. to yeah. outdoor dining right. and things like yeah. that. So, you know, there seemed to be where a lot of areas have done that, but it was good to see municipalities say, listen, from a legal perspective, what, what are parameters we've set up? What can we do? Because listen, not for nothing, it, this is going to hurt municipalities. It's going to hurt cities. It, there's no one that's, that's unaffected by this. Um, but try to make it as easier for everyone to get through it because listen, we don't know how long it's going to last. And we're all going to get fatigued in one way or another. Um, you know, the, the, the easier it is we can make it for people to be successful. Hopefully, there was a great, there was a great headline I saw that I disagreed with. Uh, it was, and I can't remember which um, publication was saying about the breweries. And some the headline or the quote was, it's, it's Darwin, it's survival of the fittest. Um, mm. And actually, Darwinism is not the fittest, it's survival of the fitter. It's the one who adapts to the situation, not necessarily the one who's the strongest or the fastest. Yeah. Um, and I think what you're seeing right now is the companies and businesses that are going to make it are going to be the ones that are figuring out how to adapt. The cities that are going to come out stronger are the ones who are figuring out how to adapt. And not only is it useful for the current, your example of the, you know, the expanding regulations rapidly and quickly to allow outdoor dining when that would have taken 18 months before to, you know, really allow theaters to put some tables out on, on wow. Worthington Street. Um, you know, where now it can happen fairly quickly saying, okay, let's take that same thinking and let's apply it everywhere. Like, why do, why do things take so long? Do they need to take this long? Is, is, is there a way to do it more quickly? And if we do it more quickly, what's the economic impact of that? It, you know, is, as opposed to the previous thinking, and again, I'm not, this is not any one city, this is sort of overall government approach, is, you know, we don't want to do it unless we're absolutely sure that nobody's going to get in trouble for it and it's all going to be fine. All right, that's a, that's a hyper-conservative approach. And it leads to inaction, it leads to delay, and it leads to bureaucracy, and it leads to some, you know, moronic decisions. You know, if you instead adopt a more innovative approach of we're just going to try some things. Some are going to work, some aren't going to work, but we're doing it with the right spirit, we're doing it with the right attitude, and nothing is set in stone. So if we tried the outdoor, you know, the outdoor restaurants and it didn't work for whatever reason, great, let's figure out why it didn't work and change it. So it can work. You know, you apply that to uh, other permitting, you apply it to zoning changes, you apply it to building permits. Um, you know, if you start to apply it to all the different areas that you can think of, of the impediments that businesses owners complain about in interacting with government, you could really simplify a lot of things yeah. and have a ro more robust economy and have more taxes being paid and have, you know, and from the government's point of view, have more money to do the things you wanted, you need to do, you're required to do. Um, so if I'm, I'm, I'm wildly optimistic about that, I'm probably going to be disappointed. 
but um, yeah. I'm hopeful that the cities are going to see this. I think, well, I, if anything, there's always an argument to be made going forward as you've already proven that you can rapidly address these issues as a result of COVID. Right. So right. since we've already proven it, we're in probably in one of our darkest hours, light's shining through right now. Let's, let's learn to adopt it. So I think that argument will always be there in some capacity. And, you know, based on the results that come out of this, to be able to point to and say, listen, you know, this really helped restaurants do X and things like that. Why can't we right. apply it? Right. Why can't we do this other thing? Yeah. And I, hopefully they'll learn. And listen, there's always a new generation coming up beyond the, the generation of leaders right now. And I got to assume as, you know, younger blood gets into, you know, positions of power, hopefully they'll make some, you know, changes and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm hurdling towards 50. So it's going to take someone, uh, you know, <laughs> a little more fire in their belly to, 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 yeah. to call that banner. But I'm glad that, you know, again, it's been proven. We can come together. We can right. think differently and we can, we can act. Listen, Scott, I, I, I want to be cognizant of our time here. Appreciate our conversation today. How can business owners, if they need to, can they reach out to you? Like, how are you, how, what kind of support can folks get from, you know, Buckley Richardson if they need it? Sure. Uh, I mean, certainly people can call or, or email all the information's right on the website at Buckley.com. Um, B-U-L-K-L-E-Y.com. Um, <laughs> not Buckley. Um, and you know, certainly I'm, I've, I've fielded many calls over the past, uh, geez, it's been, I guess, five months now, um, you know, quick calls and somebody's just got a quick question and we answer it and that's it. And that's fine. And there's nobody getting billed for that. And, you know, if I can get back to them quickly, that's, that's fine. Uh, other times they call back and it turns into, you know, a big project and that's, a, mm. that's, that's also great. Um, I'm very happy to be helpful in that sense. But I think you know, our goal is just to, is to help small businesses in the area, help the business community overall survive and hopefully thrive uh, on the other side of this. Listen, we've been talking with uh, Scott Forster, partner at the uh, Bulkley Richardson Law Firm. Thank you very much for the conversation today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Yes, right. thank you, Tom. Thank you.